Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we're going to be talking about Vittorio De Sica's uh, critically acclaimed 1948 film, Bicycle Thieves, a film that was up for Best Screenplay at the 22nd Academy Awards and also won a honorary award for Best Foreign Language Film before they had the proper uh, category for, for you know foreign language films. It took them long enough, but uh, this is a movie that uh, Connor and I had never seen before. Uh, it's on Criterion Channel and I believe HBO Max. Um, and boy, were they right about this one. You know, it's one of those quote-unquote classics that it's really stood the test of time, and uh, it won me over last night as I, as I was watching it. It's it's about an hour and a half. It's a breeze, super entertaining, very simple, simple story about a uh, a man in Italy who gets a job because he gets a bicycle, and he gets a job where he's basically going around the town putting up posters. Right, and the posters are of course of Rita Hayworth, and uh, the bicycle gets stolen. Chaos kind of ensues. It becomes a movie kind of about father and son, uh, kind of looking for this bicycle, trying to find the thief. And, you know, it's just got a really, really brutal ending. And this, this is kind of the, the movie that represents uh, Italian neo, neo realism uh, in film. And it's, it's one that really stands out amongst, amongst those films from the forties and fifties where a lot of them maybe were good at the time, but now Bicycle Thieves is still something people talk about. And I get it. You know, I get it. I'm on that side now. Well, I this represents, you know, post-World War II Italy so well. Just this oh, yeah. rubble of a ruined country who just expelled a fascist regime and people just trying to get by. And yeah. Antonio is just, you know, trying to get anything. And he's putting posters up for, like, you know, pennies, but it's all he's got. I don't quite get why the bicycle was needed for that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Is it like you can go a little faster, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's got to, yeah. The bicycle has to be significant somehow. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's cool. It's cool. I like that you pointed out how, how it depicts a, like certain time and place really well that's like the coolest part of it is these, these neo neo realism movies. They're, uh, they're too real. You know, uh, before we started recording, you, you had mentioned like, they're just, they're so devastating. And, and if you're looking for a place to kind of get away and something, you know, that's fantastical and whatnot, like don't look here, you know, this is not, this is not for people who are trying to get away from their own lives. This is going to remind you of, situations that you've gone through or situations that your parents have gone through or that people go through. And, and I, I don't know, there was a couple scenes where it, it, it reminded me of stuff that's happened recently in my life. Um, there's the scene that reminded me of something you told me uh, the other day you had texted me all oh, like this fucking company, this like restaurant company fucked me over. Right. And <laughs> now that you know, you like you basically lost like 30 bucks and the bank was like, fuck off. Like they just didn't care, and that's exactly what happens to Antonio and his and his son Bruno when they go to the police about this stolen bicycle, and they're like, "Well, what do you want us to do?" And he's like, "Find the bike, like do your job, do your goddamn job." And the Antonio, the dad, is just kind of like, "So that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I tell you this information, and you basically tell me to fuck off." 
and I'm just supposed to just forget about it. And the, the policeman's like, yeah, like we'll do what we can, which means they're not going to do anything. You know, it reminded me of that story you told me. It's like, that happens to people every day, you know? And when you put that in a movie and you execute it correctly and you got good acting, good writing, great screenplay here, you, you got, you got a movie that's going to last forever. You know, this is, this movie's 70 years old, but it's relatable still. What are the odds that I would end up in a shit happens situation the week that we do bicycle thieves? Yeah, exactly. I think it was, I think it was something with that timing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I know, I know, uh, you know, bicycle thieves was something we've, we, we kind of did on the fly. I kind of planned it like 10 days ago. We had something else in the schedule and I was like, you know what? I really want to do bicycle thieves. It's one of those kind of cinephile movies that we need to knock out. Um, and I don't know timing, timing usually works out here on Oscar Sunday. But I know you've been very busy. You got you got a lot of stuff going on, uh, and we're recording this on late Friday night. So earlier today, you had a pretty pretty big life moment, <laughs> and, and, and and you know, it's hard to uh, it's hard to kind of prepare for these episodes if you don't have the right amount of time, you know. And I know that you know that life gets in the way, but we're still here we're still going to give you guys an episode because that's what we do. You know, uh, I know this is therapeutic for me and I feel like it's the same for you. That's, that's for damn sure. I've had up into the goddamn ringer today, defending my thesis proposal in front of a bunch of hungry sharks called history professors. And it was, <laughs> it was tough. It was tough, but uh, yeah, just in case one of them hears about the podcast and checks one of these out, I don't want to disparage anybody, but it was a rough day. <laughs> well said, well said. Uh, do you think do you think those professors are familiar with the the Sika's filmography? If honestly, after today, I thought I thought none of these people knew anything about film. Turns out they're quite well versed. So probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's one of those guys. You know, uh, he was prolif- a prolific actor as well. He's in in a lot of lot of movies and is one of the guys. You know, you think of uh, Federico Fellini and De Sica's a, a name that's right after his, right uh, as. Italian filmmakers who inspired the, the French New Wave, who inspired a whole new modern look at a way of filmmaking. And I, I love it. You know, this is right up my alley. It's something I, it's something I, it's a, it's a, it's a door I've wanted to open for a long time because I've never watched any of De Sica's movies. So I watched Bicycle Thieves. I watched uh, Indiscretion of an, of an American Wife and Sunflower. Uh, Indiscretion of American Wife was nominated for Best Costume Design, I believe. And so I was like, oh, let me knock out another Oscar nominated movie of his. And what I found out about this movie that I didn't know until after I watched it was it's uh, yeah. Best costume design. Uh, It's, it's an hour long. It's on uh, Amazon prime and Paramount plus. So I was like, okay, easy access. It's only an hour. This is the studio version of the movie. There's a DeSica cut. That's an hour and a half long. And that one is called, I think, train station or something something like different and when i looked up on letterboxd you know people were saying watch watch the DeSica cut it makes more sense the movie you know it 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 all adds up like montgomery's montgomery clift is in the movie and sometimes i was like what is his motive here and then in the DeSica cut apparently it's a lot better so this movie's kind of been panned it's got like a 2.8 rating on letterboxd it's got like a 6.1 on imdb but the other cut even though it hasn't been seen by a lot of people in in modern you know uh, movie audiences the people who have seen it 
really seem to like it. So now I want to seek that one out. I want to seek out the longer cut. So shame on me for not doing that research before, but I was like, fuck, you know, these goddamn foreign movies, you just never know. Uh, That's from 1953. It's fine. Sunflower, on the other hand, from 1970, very, very good movie. Uh, That one's on Criterion Channel specifically, and I was pretty blown away by that one. Um, That's uh, Sophia Loren. She's the lead in that movie. I hadn't really been exposed to her. I obviously know who she is because she's just got one of those iconic looks to her. Man, she's gifted. She's extremely captivating, has such a cool look. And watching this kind of love story um, that she she's really on the screen, she's like in every frame, I was really blown away by her. And uh, I, I know she won an Oscar at some point. I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head what the movie is. I can look it up. But like she deserved a nomination here. I thought she was amazing. I really wish I'd gotten to, I wish I'd had time to watch these because I do like having more reinforcement. But you know, shit. <laughs> shit happens. Yeah, shit happens. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Uh, you it, know, it weirdly fits the theme of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life, life got in the way. The yeah. the, the the Oscar win she got was nineteen uh, sixties two women which I believe is also directed by DeSica, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, it was. So uh, they worked together a few times, uh, had a good partnership, and I I really wish I could have seen that movie. You know, I, I want, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the guy. I do want to see more of his movies. Uh, I want to see more of Sophia's, you know, performances. So like, it, it's, it's a door that I opened that I want to continue to walk through and check out all the rooms. You know what I mean? It's one of those. That's what, that's what happened when we did a day for night, Francois Truffaut. I opened that door finally. And I was like, okay, this is, this guy's cool. This guy's fucking cool. 400 blows. Awesome. Day for night. Awesome. The five part Antoine Dunel franchise that, that they did together. Very cool. So I like when that happens with these foreign filmmakers. Cause from my perspective, I've never gone to school for this. I've never, you know, this is, this is all off of intuition and just kind of reading and researching and doing my own kind of uh, homework. And occasionally I, it feels really good when it pays off. Yeah. Well, I, I respect that. It's not, you know, you're not being told that you have to see these movies. You're just finding them on your own and making your own decision about them. And I, I, I respect that. Um, one thing that this film does that I we also saw when we did Rashomon and when we did I think La Strada, I mm, love both both awesome movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you picked some winners, man. Um, I I love I'm I'm fascinated with film that comes out of post World War II destruction, uh, especially in countries like Japan and Italy and France. Uh, yeah, those are three. Yeah, yeah, those are three. Yeah, massive uh, anywhere that was. Movies completely destroyed and now has a, you know, a film program or, you know, trying to kind of capture the tone of this new world that everyone's living in. And you see a lot of anger, a lot of pain, a lot of depression, a lot of resentment that wasn't necessarily there before. And Mm. it's just, you know, it's obvious why, but it's just fascinating to see. You know, like take Rashomon, for example, that's an incredibly negative movie about, you know, a rape that may or may not have occurred. You know, La Strada is about a marriage, you know, collapsing because of abuse. And then Bicycle Thieves is about a man losing everything because some asshole took his livelihood. It's like 
wow, man. Like this trifecta of just absolute pain that we see in the wake of one of the world's biggest global devastations. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it totally makes sense that these really, really unique creators and filmmakers, they would use that for, for their, for their films instead of being like, let's make, you know, these, this kind of whatever imaginative fiction and just kind of go off the cuff, do whatever they used. They used pain for, for filmmaking. And, and, and we get these classics like this. Yeah. And what happened in the United States? A whole bunch of shitty John Wayne movies and everyone just being like gung ho cowboy. We won. Woohoo. Yeah. And- we have, yeah, we have quite possibly our worst two decades ever as Amer- in American cinema in the forties and fifties. Cause there's just a bunch of bullshit coming out. Just a bunch of shit. And, you know, I, there's some movies that I adore from the fifties uh, uh, and the forties, of course, you know, some, some of my favorite stuff, but it's few and far between, you know, those are, those are gems diamonds in the rough, if you will. And over there, they're turning out the best stuff they've ever done. <laughs> you know, they haven't, they haven't found Italy hasn't found their De Sica and their Fellinis since then. Cause they were doing their best stuff 60, yep. 70 years ago. It's pain, you know, pain, is an incredible source of creativity. It sucks. But if you can, you know, harness that, you can create some of the best work of your life. And we see that constantly in the wake of World War II. It's yeah. fantastic. I mean, you know, for for us, not for them. Correct. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a horrible source of creativity. But are you going to just mope around and be sad about it or try to help people you know, um, relate to something and feel inspired by something. I I think that's like Bicycle Thieves is inspiring in its own way. I want to explore post-World War II German film so much. I want to see, like, how did they handle that? Yeah, that would would be an interesting kind of way to, we could obviously use the podcast to do that. You know, Uh, we could find our way through through that, through that door. And uh, I'm totally down, you know, I love, I love watching these old foreign movies, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but I talk to some of my friends that are not, you know, cinephiles. They're just kind of, you know, I like movies, you know, those kind of people. And that's fine. I have no problem with them. We need those two. <laughs> and, and they're like, you're doing what, you know, cause they know I do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, this week I'm watching, you know, bicycle thieves from 1948. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, well, it's an Italian movie. They're like, you're watching an Italian movie from 1948 for fun? I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a great Friday night. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that sounds perfect. It sounds like right up my alley. So I'll, I'll do this anytime I can. I think that, you know, this is going to sound self-serving, but I do think there is a certain amount of power to be had in films that sound intimidating to like the layperson. And I get I get to watch them and explore them and talk about them with confidence. That does actually it feels good. Yeah, it does. And it also, you know, sometimes you wonder what the point of watching these movies is. Is there there is obviously there's people who love this movie, and when you find them, and they find you, it's like one of the most beautiful moments ever. Is when you are like, oh my god, you've also seen that kind of because an Italian classic to some people is like, what? That's intriguing. And to some people it's like, Whoa, 1948. Nah, no thanks. Like I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to watch black and white shit. I don't need to be reading subtitles. That's too much at once. Yeah. 
and and there's some people who are like you know feed feed me feed me that shit and so when you find those people it's like it's like a really really cool feeling to be a part of that that conversation you know uh you know there's 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 power in being a part of a massive conversation about something like game of thrones or or the marvel movies you know and you're like everybody's talking about it. everybody has an opinion there's something really unique about being a part of a little club that still cares about this shit to me it's like going to like you know a chain restaurant like olive garden or something and you're like i like this you know this is fun but then you've got your like little bistro over here that just has like tea and cakes and it's very you know not a lot of people know about it but you can have a nice little solitary moment with a buddy and just be like isn't this nice yeah this this is good yeah yeah it's and it was a little cheaper yeah (laughs) you know like it didn't it only cost me eight bucks and that one cost me 12 you know uh that's that's a cool that's a cool feeling it's well it's it's why here in san antonio we held on to the bijou so tightly yeah. bijou the bijou was what you just described yeah was this it's it's the little the little guy who's making quality shit you know like quality quality handmade shit and <laughs> little happy gilmore and then there's uh then there's you know palladium it's like come to our imax and get your mind blown both are both are cool but i think i find it more rewarding to to be a part of the, the smaller fun cool thing I don't need my mind blown every time. Like that's going to get exhausted. Yeah. 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 It is. It, it is quite frankly, we've become uh, desensitized to visual effects and to things that are happening on the screen that we can't even fathom. You know, we've been desensitized to that because that's what sells. That's what's big. That's what's popular. So when you find a, a movie that's neo real, neo realism, there's still movies that come out, you know, that, I was looking at the uh, this guy. This guy made a list of like fifty movies that are that are not not just in Italy or, or Europe, but all over the world. What he thinks are the best, you know, uh, neo realism movies to watch. And there's some ones from the past decade, you know, that he's like, hey, this is very very much worth your time. It's going to it's going to touch your heart. It's going to touch your soul because you're gonna like like a movie like Moonlight. It's like man, that really spoke to me as a person. Or, you know, that that's that's the that's the coolest shit to me. It's interesting because I recall a time, I believe I said on one of our shows, it was very early on, it's either Filmgasm or Oscar Sunday, that I just like I don't care about movies about regular people. I remember saying <laughs> and here I am three, four years later, completely reformed and actually really enjoying films about just regular people dealing with regular problems because growth is important. And I, I like that I've gotten to do that. And I feel like I owe that to this show more than anything. I think, I think that's fair. I think owing it to, you know, kind of setting your mind towards something and, and, and working towards it and watching a bunch of stuff and talking about it, of course, is going to give you growth, but it's also just growing up. It's just when you start having those experiences as an adult, as your own person, you're like, wow, it's nice to see that being reflected. It's nice to see myself or someone I know on the screen. You know, it's nice to see. It's, it's nice to see just a like a, just a teacher, a fucking teacher, just going through something, or 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 it's even nice to see, you know, like uh, one of my favorite modern kind of neorealism movies is The Florida Project. It's nice to just watch Willem Dafoe fucking run a motel and go through shit. 
It's like that's a that's a guy I could I could fucking hang out with. That's a guy I could have a beer with. I can't have a beer with Thor, you know? That ain't happening. It ain't happening. He'll drink me under the table even if I do. But <laughs> I could hang out with that guy, you know? And I there's something just so gratifying about that about that I've met that guy before or that guy might exist. And it makes you for my personal life, especially especially foreign movies, when I meet someone or I come across somebody, it gives me a lot more empathy for people when I just see a guy walk by and I'm, I'm like, I wonder what his, I wonder what's going on with that guy. You know, I wonder what, what story is there, you know? Yeah. And I may never talk to him in my entire life, but, but just that thought, that empathy, I, I, I feel like there's something to be said about like energy, like waves of energy going towards somebody instead of just being like, I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about you. Nothing fucking matters. I think there's something to say about, I hope that guy has a good day. You know, I hope that guy, or if you see someone who's upset, you're like, I hope his day gets fucking better, you know? And I hope whatever happened to him to be angry, I hope it wasn't too bad. You know, that's cool. And Antonio in this movie, Bicycle Thieves, if you and if you or I were to witness him trying to steal the bicycle at the end of the movie, we'd be like, I wonder why the fuck that guy's doing that. You know, it gives you an empathy for people who make kind of rash decisions. Yeah, because you know, at, at one point in all of our lives, we've been through the ringer. We've thought this is as war- as bad as it can get. I'm in hell, and you know where you go from there is entirely on you know based on the decisions you make. And films like this, you know, remind us that everybody's going through some shit. Everyone has their own problems. Everyone's the, the hero of their own story. To be you know cliche. But it's true. Everyone on Earth believes that they're doing the right thing and that, you know, their their opinion or their story matters more than everyone else's. But mm. in truth, you know, we're all wrong. We're yeah. all just part of this, incre- this insane, hard to explain fucking weird ass project called society. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's well put. I, I often think about, you know, uh, with 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 war movies that aren't necessarily war movies, but something like Bicycle Thieves, where it's like very much using that, you know, the the kind of like you said, the deconstruction and the well, let's find our way back. You know, I always find that to be really really interesting because there is no way to explain or justify war. You know, there's no way to say, hey, this was right or this is wrong, or you know, obviously killing a bunch of people is wrong. Yeah, but it's. There's no way to justify a soldier going out there trying to just do a job and come back and make some money for his family. It's, I don't know. It's just, I've always been so fascinated by that take or that route in storytelling rather than the actual war itself. I've always thought it, I've always thought to be more interesting and more creative to take the, the route that's post or pre. I, um, I've been working for a, uh, a professor at Texas state this past semester who has humanized history in a way I've never really thought about. And, um, he, his, uh, I'm not going to name him just in case he, he hears this. I don't, you know, it's not my story to tell, but he, um, he's a black, a black man who got, he gets very emotional when he talks about slavery because he feels an empathetic connection with, 
enslaved people. He feels that. And he makes us feel that by the way he talks about slavery as a human condition, as a human problem, not just a, a vocab word on the test, on the test, you know, like people existed. People went through the ringer then. They, history is just people's stories piled up to now. And we forget that. And yeah. in World War II, you know, it was the same deal. You know, after <clears throat> Mussolini was deposed, everyone was, fly, you know, what do we do now? And no filmmaker is going to be able to justify or, you know, fix the horrors that Mussolini was responsible for. But they can, in their own way, preserve something of the country and the people that they love, that they felt, that they believed in. And that's what I feel like. Uh, I forget I forget his, his last name. DeSica, right? Yeah. DeSica and Fellini, like these guys... We're trying to preserve something of the Italy that they they had. And just I I I I feel like we we should never lose sight of the fact that people were here. Yeah. Yeah. Horrors of war or horrors of history. They were people and they, you know, they they mattered. For sure. Yeah. No, yeah, no matter how big or small, like the the you know, people do matter. We do matter. What we do matters, you know, uh, how we handle ourselves, how we handle the people around us. And uh, like empathy goes a long way. It really can. And so I, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love when filmmakers try to do that, try to say, Hey, uh, I hope this thing lasts. I hope people watch this movie for a long time, but more importantly, I hope you remember that whether these stories are fiction or not, it's based on, it's based on human beings going through things. And, uh, you know, when you're a filmmaker, you don't know what's coming next, but you know that pe- people are going to continue to come and inhabit the earth and, and go through things. Yeah. And, th- and that, that's really cool. Like, that's one of the coolest things about filmmaking. Of course, you know, these guys can kind of play God. But I like when someone steps down and says, let me let me show you what's cool about this, this art form and what, what we, we can remember from this art form. Is, is human beings, you know, is it, it, Sica, what struck me with him. And this is something that I, I think a huge difference between him and Fellini is Sica. You don't feel a, uh, and maybe this is only because I've only seen three of his movies now. Maybe if I see more, I'll change my mind, but you don't feel a, um, like signature to it. You don't feel a, you know, any kind of pretentious, you know, uh, ambitions to it. You feel a guy just telling a story with Fellini. You very much feel this is my movie. This is my style. This is what I do. I'm, I'm the master. Well, I love, I love both. I think there's something really cool and kind of down to earth about Desica that I've seen so far. You know, I might be wrong. And people who are listening who have seen more of his movies might say, no, you got to just see more stuff. That's okay. But I'm going to take my opinion now and I'm going to fucking cash it in. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's refreshing to, to, to find that. Well, at the very least it's true in bicycle thieves. And I respect a filmmaker who can yep. put aside ego and style just so they can tell a story correctly or like as good as they, as it deserves to be told. I like that a lot. And you don't yeah. see a lot of, a lot of filmmakers can't put their style aside. But occasionally, like, I feel like Scorsese can do that a lot. He does that a lot. Oh, yeah. Scorsese, 
I think he has his his, uh, his trademarks, but they're not. I don't know. They're 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 mostly like needle drops, and you know his you know his he likes to he likes to have really big, cool character introductions. I think I think a, like a modern guy who's like okay, dude, we get it. Is David Fincher? He's a guy we just talked about not that long ago. Where it's like, I love that about him, but I also understand why it's like, wow, like you're so far up your own ass that, you know, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's the same way. You know, uh, these guys have these things that they do where it's like, I want you to know that you're in my movie. Scorsese. It he- also has to do it. It also has to do with him not writing a lot of his stuff. Is like I'm telling a story, I'm telling a story. I'm giving you the coolest perspective that I can think of, and that's cool. That's true, and I also feel like you know he's been in the industry so long that you know his first like you know from like who's that knocking at my door to like Goodfellas, they all feel pretty similar. But yeah, like you know if you looked at the Aviator, Silence, Gangs of New York, and like the Last Temptation of Christ, could you tell that's all the same director? No, no. That's, I mean, yeah, like when I saw Silence, I was like, Jesus H, you know, like while it's, while it's extremely long and I understand why some people wouldn't be interested in it. Like, man, this guy's trying to tell a really cool story and I don't see any, look at this, look at this angle. Look what I did here. Look at this cut. It's just, it's just. I don't know. And, and like, and Bicycle Thieves has really cool technique. It has some really cool shots that's, that are going to stick with me forever. But I never felt, I don't know, I never felt, uh, I don't really know exactly what I'm trying to say, but I think you get it. <laughs> there was never, there was never a, aha, look at my signature moment there. Yeah. I wonder if, like, do you think that when it comes to telling historical stories or humanizing stories, that some directors think that they'll almost be penalized or, uh, you know, mocked for shoving their own style into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's a that's a really good point. I think. Let's see, like someone that we love, uh, like like a Quentin Tarantino. It's very obvious that he wants to talk about history. And he's can't he can't help it. He yeah. can't help like like bastards and Django and Once Upon a Time. He's like, I can't fucking help it. Like, this is going to look like my movie. I cannot help it. And I think some people are turned off by it. Some people are like, really, dude? Like, really? You're gonna like you're gonna like make Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the ending? You're gonna make it like that, dude? And you're gonna like just ultra violence and you know, it oh like change history or whatever. And I think some people are turned off by it because it's like, well, that didn't happen. And you're, you're disregarding what happened to real people, real uh, victims. And I, I understand that perspective, but I'm such a huge fan of his that it's like, well, I really like, I really like the movie. And I also love his style. <laughs> I get it though. I get it. Yeah. I mean, Isabel and I started fake true stories as a way to kind of poke holes in historical films that just disregard uh, human nature and human history. But at the same time, it is fucking rewarding to see Hitler get bombarded with gunfire by two Jewish soldiers. Yes. Like, I get yeah. it. But I also, from the other side, I can, I can understand that being problematic for people. Yeah, me too. I get both sides. I think 
I, I understand if people are kind of turned off by the latter half of Tar- Tarantino's career. I also understand if people who are like, no, the, the latter half is better, you know, than the, than the first half. I get, I, I get, I, I get both sides. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's fascinating. You know, I, I think uh, Spike Lee has done similar stuff where he's like, I love telling my own stories. I love telling my own story. I like writing my own stuff. I like giving you uh, an example of something that maybe didn't happen technically, but do the right thing happens, you know, like that, that, that story happens over and over and over, but then he does something like miracle at St. Anna, you know, or, you know what I mean? And it's, it's tough. It's tough. But, but you know, (laughs) these guys, these this is their job. This is their fucking job. They're allowed to do what they want to do. If they're able to, you know, get the funding and, you know, get the, get producers to get on board and make a movie. Who are we to say you are not allowed to do that? Yeah. Spike's another one of those guys who, is constantly in his own way when it comes to style. And yeah, yeah. Out of I mean, he's calling all of his films a spike lead joint right there. It's like, well, I know what I'm getting into here. Yes. There's, there's an ego before the movie starts before the movie begins. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, when you make films like do the right thing and Malcolm X and I, yeah. Can't burn it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Like, like a PT Anderson picture. <laughs> okay, dude. Like we get it. But fuck, bring it on, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's just that's fascinating. I love that. I love that we're obviously referencing guys that are really important to us, and like they're a part of a generation that we we were born in the mid '90s when these guys were thriving, and we kind of seen them get into their old age now, and they still can't help it. They still can't help but put their stamp on it, you know. And I guess my point is that Desika, I haven't seen that quite yet. I haven't quite seen the the ego stamp on, on his movies. Again, maybe that has something to do with me not seeing enough stuff. Maybe it has something to do with him being an actor as well. A very prolific actor. Who's like, Hey, I get all sides of this. We're all a team, but you know, I think there might be multiple facets to it, but with bicycle thieves, I felt a sincerity that was really cool and made me kind of fall in love with the movie. So um, yeah, I, I own this one. And I'm glad I do. You know, uh, it's one that I, it's one that I bought on a whim and I have a few criterions that I haven't seen before and that was one of them. And yeah, I'm glad it glad it's in my, on my shelf. I remember reading um, the reason this feels so personable. Uh, I'm looking for it right now. I think this happened to him or his father. Uh, yeah. Like this was a story that actually did happen to either DeSica or somebody close to him. Well, let's and, see. DeSica was born in 1901, so that would make sense that it would happen to him because he would have been in his 40s. Like, he was 47 when Bicycle Thieves came out. So, yeah, I mean, that could have oh, very well happened to him. My mistake. It was not DeSica. It was the author of the novel. That oh, was, there you go. There you go. Okay. It happened to him. And he was just, yeah, he was like, well, this sucks, and I hope I can find my way back. And he made this story which turned into a celebrated film so i think he found his way back yeah yeah i I think so too uh so are you before we get into kind of awards about bicycle thieves and talk talk more about it are you intrigued by this guy are you wanting to see more stuff oh absolutely yeah there's very few filmmakers where i watch one movie and i'm like get him out of my face it's only happened Mm. once but um i think we all know who it is but um do do we do we I'm curious. Was, was, it, was, it, was it on this show or was it? It was prep. And I'm like, okay, no, I don't like this. 
fuck. <laughs> but then again, I I'm in the right conditions. I probably will try his work again. But I'm in no hurry. Damn, who is it? Terrence Malick. Oh yeah, duh, duh, duh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If the Tree of Life is the only movie you've seen of his, like, yeah, that's the wrong like first <laughs> one to watch. I, I I stand by. I stand by. I think Days of Heaven will really. <laughs> really which is funny because i just got done talking shit about richard gear last week and uh you know that's that's a movie he's in so that's funny <laughs> yeah but when it, with the Sika, yeah i'm absolutely open to seeing more i thought bicycle thieves was very clever and em- empathetic and engaging and uh yeah i'm i'm open to pretty much you know me i'm i'm willing to give anybody two three four chances yeah okay so a movie i i want you know a part of me wishes I would have had this more planned out, would have had more time because there are other movies of his that were either nominated for best foreign language film or won. Like he's one of the heavy hitters when it comes to, comes to that award and comes to just his movies being up for Oscars uh, as a foreigner. And so there's a lot of stuff that's really interesting. Like uh, I don't know how to say it, but uh, bicycle thieves is like his, that's what he's known for. After that, a lot of people say the next one is, uh, Umberto or Umberto, Umberto D uh, from 1952. That's another one that I, like, man, I need to, I need to cross that one off the list. Uh, and then the other one that I've heard a lot about is the Gold of Naples, uh, which obviously you know uh, he's from. That's where he's from. You know he's he's a man of Napoli, and I yeah I, I love to see see that movie. Uh, Napoli's a fascinating place, and. I love when it's used in movies. In Sunflower, he uses their soccer stadium. It's really fucking cool. He uses their soccer stadium in that movie, and they, they're, they're, that's where Diego Maradona played uh, most of his club football. And he's, you know, maybe maybe the second or third best soccer player to ever live. So uh, really cool. He kind of brought them from the ashes to being one of the giants of of European football, and. Uh, Napoli's still good today, so you can you can kind of think of Diego Maradona, the Argentinian uh, maestro, for that. Uh, also, are, have you been watching World Cup at all? I have no. I've I've been writing a thesis proposal. <laughs> yeah, I figured because I, I know I know your family's into it because you got you know Colombian and German, you got all these different things going on. Uh, Colombia is not in it, and Germany is out of the tournament. So I was wondering if you if you're keeping up. Regrettably, like, fuck, no. fuck. I, I know I, I, I like to check them out occasionally but i just it's it has, timing has fucking sucked the last few weeks i gotta say yeah <laughs> i understand i understand man no, no worries usa plays tomorrow morning at 9 a.m uh obviously we're recording this on friday night so saturday 9 a.m uh central time uh usa plays uh plays the dutch so i'm ah. super excited super excited for that That'll be all right. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. Yeah. USA versus Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. It should be fun. But uh, yeah, man, uh, if you don't have anything else, uh, I think we should talk about like what we really loved about this movie. We've, we've already alluded to some of the scenes, so I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah. This has felt like an old school singular focused episode. And I, I, I've enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm digging it too. We don't do this very often. So <laughs> it's usually uh there's like an hour of discussion about something else more kind of big picture like david fincher rankings or this uh best picture showdown you know uh marvel fucking mcu hall of fame you know uh, here we get to kind of hone in have a shorter episode and and you know make it simple and have have a good time so uh for for bicycle thieves 
We got the uh, Quentin Tarantino Award for <laughs> so funny that we always bring him up, and he's one of our one of our awards. We should change that. <laughs> the Quentin Tarantino Award for best quote. Uh, the Ennio Morricone Award for uh, best music moment. The Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for best performance of the movie. And the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene of the movie. So take it away whenever you're ready. Yeah, you alluded to it uh, earlier. Uh, the scene where Antonio goes to the cops and is like, I lost my bike or my bike was stolen. And they're like, well, you know, these things happen. And he's like, well, you going you gonna to help me or what? And the cop says, it takes the whole mobile unit to look for it. And Antonio just goes, then why even file a complaint? <laughs> why bother? Like, am, so I'll just go look for it. <laughs> Are you busy? Am I fucking bothering you? <laughs> it's perfect. Like, the cops have always been the same in every country. <laughs> yeah, that, that this is true. I, I, yeah, I paused that scene. And I, I think I texted you while I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, this scene just reminded me of Connor's little run-in with the fucking bank you know it could people not just... have been timed better it was like i just went through the same fucking thing with wells fargo and yeah <laughs> Mother, motherfuckers don't give a shit uh infuriating uh ah man i was i was between a couple couple of uh moments for the for the best you know, tarantino for the best quote or my favorite quote there's one that i i thought was just kind of iconic and, and really cool and there's also a really funny one I really like the scene when he chases down the old man, the old man who is uh, kind of attached to the, the actual thief. The thief is on the bicycle. You're like, holy shit, that's the bike. And he goes and talks to this old man. And then he rides off and, and Antonio's like, stop that thief. Like, stop that man. And then he finds the old man and they're like in church or whatever, you know, <laughs> I thought this was so good. <laughs> they're talking and going back and forth and, uh, Antonio is like, I'm losing my patience and the old man lose whatever you like. <laughs> I, I felt the old man was cast perfectly and his delivery in that scene was so good. Cause he's like, fucking leave me alone, man. You're weird. But then he brings up money and he's like, all right, what do you want to know? Yeah. What's up? Yeah. And he's like, well, tell me the apartment number. And he's like, God, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the and, idea they're, of and they're in church. Like they're yeah. in church discussing this crazy thing. Just in church. Like, in you know 1948 a scene where a guy's just yelling at somebody because he's still like because he's involved in a theft in a church and the, the lady like the matron keeps coming over and being like will you be quiet you're in a church yeah <laughs> he's just yeah. like it will not be silenced this this is egregious here like he just is he's trying to take a stand but it just keeps falling apart for him it's great yeah and that's that scene it reminded me of a lot of wes anderson movies just the cuts of it kind of the, the the humor of it the humor of guys arguing about a bicycle in church and then the cuts from when the old man runs runs out and it go it takes kind of a, a nice shot of the hallway and we see Antonio and his son um, Bruno coming down the hallway and then it cuts to outside it's like boom 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 I was like man I've seen this before <laughs> and it's Grand Budapest Hotel you know it's like it was really cool kind of seeing the influence that this movie has had on filmmakers. I was thinking of Grand Budapest as well. The scene where, <laughs> where um, Gustav is like, you know, she was murdered and you think I did it. And then he just takes off. Yes, exactly. Like, that, that was in my head when the old man just took off. I was like, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> or, or when uh, another part from that scene is when they, they, they're walking by like the, the uh, kind of the runway leading up to the, 
pastor or whatever, a priest, whatever. And, and they all go, <laughs> they all stop and do that real quick. And then Bruno, when he runs by the little boy, he does it like real quick. <laughs> Ryan runs off. I was like, man, I've seen this before. Like, this is so cool. Like just kind of playing with religion inside of a movie that has nothing to do with religion. Uh, but they, they use that church scene so well. I, I almost gave it my deacons. You know, I, I was, I thought that scene was constructed beautifully and really funny. Yeah, that was, it was great. Um, I like when they're, when he's trying to get in the door and he's just like, stop that man. But he can't get the door open. <laughs> that made me think of Tommy boy. Yes. Yeah. For the love of God. <laughs> and that little, that like girl just opens it with ease and he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> John Hancock. It's Herbie Hancock. <laughs> I got a D plus. I passed. I wish uh, we'd known each other. This was a little awkward. Oh, <laughs> uh, what what a movie. What a time. Uh my my real Tarantino, like the, the quote that moved me the most that I I I knew right away when it happened. I was like, man, that was that was just one of those powerful movie moments, kind of on the nose. But it's when Antonio is like thinking about giving up. And they're they have the incident on the river where that boy is drowning, and then him and him and Bruno are just kind of sitting there like, what the fuck do we do, you know? And then he's like, you want to go eat? <laughs> and, and Bruno's like, yes, I'm hungry. And he's like, yeah, why should I kill myself worrying when I'll just end up just as dead? Like, man, it's like good God, just the bleakness of that of that quote and of that scene. And then when he goes to eat, he can't help but think about the bike. Even then, he's like, oh, let's have some wine. Let's have mozzarella sandwiches, which sound, they look so good. They sound so good. That little restaurant looks like fun. I love how Antonio, his his intuition as a father and as a provider was like, oh, fuck me. Who am I kidding? I can't distract myself. I need this bike. It did take me a minute to realize that they're just eating grilled cheese. Yeah, mozzarella, just mozzarella grilled cheese. Yeah, <laughs> looks great. Yeah, But yeah, I just, I love that what, like, what this bike represents to him it is life and death like without this bike he has no way to support his family and it's all he can think of and yeah he i i if 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 that's if, if i needed a bike to literally save my family's future i'm stealing that motherfucker i'm i'm gonna be a little Me smarter too. about it than he is but yeah yeah i guess yeah 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 and yeah if I'm i'm thinking about my daughter willow she if if she needs me to have that bike i'm gonna get that bike <laughs> i'm gonna get a motherfucking mongoose i'm gonna get a big old giant mountain bike you know what i mean i'm gonna do the best i can because I, you know you gotta get your ass out there and find that fucking dog <laughs> i award you no points may god have mercy on your soul the puppy who lost his way yeah I can totally picture you and like an eight-year-old Willow having some sort of wacky ass Italian adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope I, 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 yeah. I hope it's not this bleak, but Jesus. <laughs> no, totally, totally. Willow is uh is my mini me. She's very much like me. She looks like me. She's very much my child, <laughs> and I I can see me and her going through the ups and downs of of Antonio and and Bruno, like what they go through of 
they hold on to each other. And then other times it's like, Bruno, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and Bruno's like, you're terrible. You're a bad dad. I could see Willow being like, dad, you're, you suck right now. And then I could see her being like, yeah, but you know, we love each other. This is, this is what it is. You know, we got to get that damn bike. (laughs) 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 Willow's talking a lot more now and saying things that I'm like, where the hell did you get that? You know, like the, the vocabulary she has is, is bonkers. She's smarter than me. She dropped any like random swear words. Um, okay, so she, if I, if I say fuck or shit accidentally around her, because I try not to, it's very hard because it's a part of my everyday. She says, dad, don't say that. <laughs> she says, she says that to me and my wife. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> but she had, I have heard her say not, not really recently, but when she was like, you know, about a year ago when she was like two and she was really starting to talk, she would say, what the hell? <laughs> So she'd be, she, I kid you not, this happened. And it was the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> she, she was watching Peppa Pig and Peppa did something like dumb. And she said, what the hell, Peppa Pig? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I am a dad. <laughs> I've, I've, I've done all I can. This is my accomplishment. I can just, I can go now. You, you, you're off. You're off. You're out of the nest to do what you want. <laughs> Oh god! It's a beautiful moment. I told your grandparents that story when they came to HEB, um, and yeah, your grandma got a kick out of that. She was like, "Oh, geez, yeah." (laughs) She's like three years old, saying, "What the hell, Peppa Pig?" (laughs) Oh, that's marvelous. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, good. She's 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 the best. Uh, Yeah, yeah, this screenplay is 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 something else, man. Uh, Makes me want to read the book. Yeah, you know, uh, makes me want makes me want to know what the what the source is. Hard to believe this had like eight screenwriters, right? Yeah, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, who who is the who is the the leader though? You know, who is that the guy? Only, only one guy got nominated for the Oscar, which I find hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is like a it's not it's not a uh, fucking you know, 60 episode TV show. You don't need a bunch of bunch of writers in the room. Like it's an hour and a half movie. Right, like, what was the con? Like, what was the uh, the meet? What were the meetings like? Like, who pitched what? Like, how does this? How do you write something as a group that big that ends up just being this concise? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that. I love to be in that room. You know, I would hope they're having mozzarella sandwiches, drinking wine, discussing how they're going to do bicycle thieves. <laughs> oh, Italy, man. So probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, <laughs> the Inyamore Kone Award. I'm going to attempt to say this guy's name. The uh, the the score is is composed by Alessandro Sico Giannini. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, these are tough. These are tough names. These are not just Italian names. They're like tough Italian names. You know, Federico Fellini is pretty easy. You know, Vittorio De Sica is pretty easy. Some of these crew members, I, I I can't begin to to go there. I'm I, I I my true Texan comes out when I am trying to, to speak, you know, Italian. Uh, it's not happening. There's Italian, and then there's Italian. Yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never the twain shall meet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. That's <laughs> that's a that's we're, we're we're quoting fucking Gilmore and Billy Madison and. 
fucking raising Arizona. You know, what's next? <laughs> you're like the only person I could just whip out a quote and immediately you're like, I got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, you know, the, the, the person who's best at it, you know, you're, you're really good at it. My brother, Jeremy, Jeremy will get me on some where I'm like, wait, what was that? He's like, you don't watch movies. <laughs> like, God damn it. Cause he remembers random shit. You know, he pulled a people like a mystery men quote out of his ass. And I was like, wait, wait, I know that. And he's like, you don't like that movie. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> And I was like, what is it? And he's like, Mystery Man, bitch. He's like, I thought you liked that movie. And I'm like, I do. I swear to God, I do. <laughs> uh, he does that, though. He has a really, really wicked good memory. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. I get to hang out with him tomorrow night. I'm super excited because we'll, we always have those moments of we'll be outside hanging out, drinking beers, and we'll just go on these tangents of movie quotes. And he's good at him. He's damn good at him. <laughs> yeah, I got to have a I got to have a showdown with this guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You remember when we did that draft of Lord of the Rings quotes? Like, you know, yeah. Most of most of those for you and him are just off the cuff. They're just like, yeah, I just this is this is what I'm choosing. For me, I was like, let me get on IMDb and make sure I'm choosing the right one. You know, Jeremy's like, I know what the right one is because I know those movies like the back of my hand. (laughs) I I literally just watched Return of the King like two days ago because I needed a debrief, and I'm like, I want four and a half hours of Middle Earth. So I watched the extended Return of the King, and I just, oh, yeah. Hey, I actually, uh, I explained to him last week what happened in the showdown. He was, I get that. He's got to get where Connor's coming from. He was like, uh, he's got first. I was confused because it's like, yeah, aren't you like a huge Lord of the Rings fan? He's, but when you explain it that way, that all three of them are kind of their own thing. He's, he's gonna understand. He's gonna understand like that that logic of. Why give Two Towers best picture when it's like it needs the other two movies to kind of all coexist? So, yeah, I thought I thought I thought you'd like that vindication. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am the smartest man alive. Yeah, uh, good shit. Anyway, any more Coney Award best music moment? What'd you pick? I gave this to the opening credits. Um, yeah, yeah, powerful, somber. Really sets the tone for post World War II Italy and just a giant vibe of desperation through the entire thing. And I I like that because I didn't really know what to expect with this one. I didn't know anything about it. I'd heard the title, but I didn't know anything about it. And right from the get go, you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be that kind of movie. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, the it doesn't stop. There's no hopeful moment in this movie. <laughs> no. Not, not not like whatsoever and i i loved that about it i loved i i'm like you i i had a guess of what was going to happen you know the movie's called bicycle thieves but i i didn't know what the tone was going to be i didn't know exactly what you know exactly what setting they were going to use and so i was i was pretty blown away by just how the tone that it carried throughout while still having moments of humor that were natural they weren't forced they felt like real life which is kind of what I'm, I, I was speaking to about Wes Anderson. A lot of Wes Anderson's humor feels very, feel, it doesn't feel formulaic. It feels organic and it feels like this is stuff that people would do. You know, humor is a defense mechanism, you know, and I like that this movie like showed how showed the realism uh, of, of being a person. Uh, so I, I chose um, the bit of score that's happening when it, it starts raining on the day that they're looking for the bike. Uh, just just sucks you know and people are kind of you can see people all around the town like running 
running, trying to get out, get away from the rain. And it, yeah, it was just kind of one of those do 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 kind of trippy, weird, almost sci-fi type uh, pieces of score that I really connected to. Immediately wrote it down and stuck with it the rest of the movie. Uh, but there there are multiple moments that are great. This is a good score. Like what? Well, well done. I love the random moments of singing Italians we just get whenever we go to a restaurant or something and there's just yeah. performing. And that that's just delightful because, it, you know, it's, it's still Italy. It's still, you know, there's still some some pep in their step. <laughs> and I like that, you know, the little reminders that it's not all bad. We still have our, you know, we can still dance. <laughs> we can still dance. We can dance if you want to. Yeah, I, I like I like that about it as well, that Again, people are going to do things to try to stay optimistic. They're going to do things, and that usually involves humor, song, dance, you know, hanging out with friends, joking around. Like, that's what we do. Some of my favorite moments in life and in movies is when shit is going so far south, you can't help but start laughing at it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, when, when, when you, um, when I stub my toe, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. And then I'm like, ha. Huh. There wasn't a reason for that that just happened like that was just chance that was coincidence that was like things things these things happen you know and that's just the way it is <laughs> yeah and this whole movie is basically like you know what these things happen yeah it, it, everyone tells it, him that everyone's like you know what it does this this happens and he's like yeah fuck you i want my bike <laughs> yeah i'm i'm more determined than the last guy you talked to yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, I love I love the initial scenes of them going to look for the bikes, you know, looking at the bikes. I thought those were so, so unique and so cool. And you have them just kind of like, yeah, I mean, we're going to do this. But if it doesn't happen today, it, it may not happen. Yeah. Well, I love that he gets his guys and they go to the like the market and they confront that guy with the bike frame and the guy's super defensive. <laughs> yeah. Just, you can either show us the frame or show us the frame. One of them's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love his I love his big friend, his big macho friend who's like uh you know the the, the guy who's selling it is like, "Well, I'm not selling you the serial number. I'm selling you the bike frame." He's like, "Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Show us show us the goddamn numbers." Yeah. <laughs> I love unprompted the guy's wife comes out. It's like, "Would I show you my shoes?" Like just start screaming at the guy. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Not even part of the that. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Like whoa, stay out of it! Oh, I thought that was thought that was brilliant. Uh, yeah, this movie's movie's awesome. I feel like it has a high rewatchability rate. I feel like I'm gonna laugh more and also cry maybe you know in the future of watching this movie. Uh, so yeah, again, I'm glad I'm glad I have this one. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, best performance of the movie. Really, it's two people, right? I mean, there's not a lot of screen time for anybody, but. Antonio and, and Bruno, the father and son, they're they're in the movie nearly the entire time. So there's not a lot of competition here, but these two are both really good. They are, they are. And um, I gave mine to Enzo Stoila Stoila as Bruno. Me too, the kid. Yeah, that kid. Fuck. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That. Where, who is that? Yeah. Yeah, I love when I can give. I don't think have we ever given this award to a to a child actor. I think Caleb did on Poltergeist. Yes, he did. He did. did he he? Gave it to yeah, I think Award. he did. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's it, though. That might be it. Uh, this kid is incredible. I, You know, he's empathetic. You can see in his eyes, he hates what's happening to his father. He understands. 
when 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 Antonio just hits him and he like retreats to the trees and it's like, why did you hit me? Like shit, dude. Like this got real. I I I respect that kid as an actor. Oh yeah, I thought he was incredible. Uh, this is the first movie he was ever in. The fuck, you know, and he he continues to do like fourteen other movies uh, through the fifties, but like doesn't really have a career. Uh, so I'm just like, man, what what happened? Because he is just the expressions on his face are are mind blowing, mind blowingly good. I I didn't really know that that aspect of the movie. I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I knew, you know, here's this guy probably going to lose his bike or he's going to steal a bike or something. It's going to be about bikes. I didn't know we were going to get a like finding Nemo esque, <laughs> you know, fucking these moments between father and son that are just so unique and so special and, and so goddamn funny at times. Like fuck Enzo is hilarious in this movie. And then he, he, he has those moments like you, you just mentioned or his face says everything when they're eating together and he like, doesn't, doesn't want to pick up the sandwich. Cause he like, doesn't feel right being inside of a restaurant. Cause he feels like he's just, you know, he's just dirt. Like he's just dirt poor. This is not what we do. He looks over, looks over at the family behind them and they kind of scoff at him. Like, Oh, you you don't really belong in this restaurant. It's like so sad. That's all him. That's all that little Enzo kid portraying this, you know, these emotions to us. And I was, yeah, I was just, my jaw was on the floor at times with him. I was like, man, this kid, this kid's fucking good. And I looked into his career and I was like, that's sad. That's really sad that he didn't have a real long career. For me, the moment that I think that won me over finally was the end of the movie when he realizes his father stole the bike and just this absolute look of what have you done? Like just yeah, you just destroyed our family, and he's like, but there's also love there of like, please don't go, but you fucking deserve it. Like there's so much, so many mixed emotions happening in that kid, and you believe all of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a powerful scene because of him. Uh, when he when the, the the dad tells him go, he'll fucking get on that streetcar, go home. I'll meet you there. He's like, I'm gonna go do this on my own. My son doesn't need to see me do this. Well, he misses the streetcar, and he's like, well, I'm still here. Uh, witnessing all of that, being sad, being angry at him, to the ending of them walking through with all the people, after those people are like, yeah, we won't press charges, like, you know, move on with your life. And he holds his dad's hand. And when he grabbed his hand, I was like, oh, man, I, uh, this is hard to watch. Like, this yeah. is powerful. He's in, like, He's taking on a paternal like characteristic he's holding his father's hand it's not his father holding his hand it's a very important distinction it's you know he's telling his dad like it's going to be okay and no child that young should ever have to tell their parent it's going to be okay no no this is going to affect him forever uh he reminded me a lot of a lot of uh our, our guy antoine in um 400 blows we're just like this kid's got too much on his plate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> christ <laughs> almighty yeah, there's no way in hell Truffaut was not influenced by this. Yeah, I have a hard time because that was 1959, 400 blows, I believe. So, yes, yeah, 10 years later, 11 years later. Got to be got to be some kind of inspiration for his character. Uh, yeah, powerful stuff. So, yeah, we both chose Enzo for PSH. That's that's fantastic. Uh, Roger Deakins Award. What's the best scene in the movie for you? 
to me, I just I couldn't believe this. It was so demoralizing. It's when um uh Antonio and Maria go to pawn their bed sheets to get oh. the bike back. And the guy lowballs them, first of all, because they're used. Like it's it's sheets. Of course they're fucking used. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he goes to get the bike, and you just the camera pans up to this giant shelf of bed sheets, and it's just like, wow, no one here is is doing well. Everyone here is fucked. It's just a wall of bikes and a wall of sheets. These people have nothing, and in that moment, you realize just how desperate they are. And it was just, you know that that vibe continues throughout the rest of the movie. But I just, I, the wall of of pawned sheets, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, that's that's a really good call. Um, I thought the same thing of just uh, that's one of the one of the things you can do with uh, with with filmmaking is you're you're in you're in you're with Antonio and his family, but there's this kind of this shot to all the families, all the families, and you don't you're not using people, you're using the item, and the item happens to be sheets, which is like you said, just such like a fucking. Like really used? I like guess just one of those items that's like, uh, who gives a fuck? Like there's sheets, you know. Uh, and and that scene, man, that scene's really good. And I love when he points when he goes to get the bike, and he's like, no, 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 it's the one behind the red one, you know. And the guy's like, I know, I know, I know. But he didn't know because he was about to give him a cheaper bike. You know, it's just people trying to fuck people over and over, you know. And Antonio's like, fuck you, I'm not having it, I'm not having it. I'm the one who's going to be doing the fucking. <laughs> it's it's it's. God, it's sad, but so, so powerful. Oh, this scene for me conjured up, of all things, Star Wars. Uh, okay. There's a scene in The Force Awakens where Rey is, like, giving, you know, old scavenger junk to the guy who gives her food in exchange, and he keeps lowballing her with, por- like, smaller and smaller portions. Ah, good call. I was good thinking call. about that. I'm like, I wonder if, I mean, I fucking doubt it, but I wonder if anyone there might have been influenced by bicycle thieves i mean i those you know blockbusters are so fucking cookie cutter these days i I don't probably not but i like to think so you never you never know which who who directed force awakens that was jj abrams jj abrams okay yeah you never know yeah i know you never know wrote it and he wrote you know raiders and some classics. oh yeah he might have been yeah you know what it might have been i'm gonna go with okay yes i'm gonna go with yes now, you heard it here first on Oscar Sunday. Force Awakens is indeed a sequel to Bicycle Thieves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's there's Bicycle Thieves, there's Force Awakens, there's everything in between, you know. <laughs> you know, take it or leave it. It's the low ball cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Star Wars. Uh I I'm in this group chat with some some basketball fans and we started talking movies a little bit and they're like, Oh, okay. Austin clearly like really likes the stuff, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to hold back. And we started talking about, they're like, well, what franchises do you like? And I was like, I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> that's, that's fucking boring. I was like, well, I was like, you know, I, I like Lord of the Rings. I like, you know, I, I like Harry Potter, I like Rocky, you know, and I was saying this stuff. And one of the guys is like, what about star Wars? You know, star Wars. And I was like, I, yeah, next. <laughs> Because he was like he 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 has said to me before that his family like lives and dies by Star Wars, and it's like I'd rather not hurt your feelings or I don't want to hurt our friendship. 
I just don't really care about it, you know? Luckily, I didn't really have to say anything because my oldest brother, Adam, came in and was like, yeah, they're not like that important to our family. Like, we never really got connected with them. It's not something we watched growing up a bunch. So it's just not not in our lives like that. And I was like, thank you. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> it's so weird that, like, you had to do that. Like, it's a movie. It's not a religion. It's not, you know, somebody. Uh, Star Wars. There's there's Christianity and and there, there's Star Wars. You know that you know the you know the fans. You know they're they're fucking nuts. No, I know. There is an actual Jedi religion that has been started. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just think it's sure, weird. Yeah. Like, like or dislike of a film should not make or break a friendship, regardless of the film. <laughs> it shouldn't. I love this guy. His name is Mitch. <clears throat> Do not care. I, I would love for him to listen to this. He listened to our MCU episode. Uh, I've never met him in person. We he 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 lives in St. Louis, Missouri. My brother knew him. My oldest brother Adam knew him because Adam and I used to live in St. Louis together. We lived there for about a year, and he met this guy. His name's Mitch. Huge, huge basketball fan. Extremely smart, uh, but he's also a big movie guy. And I didn't really know that until recently. And so I've been on his podcast called Hooper's Almanac. It's a great, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. great, but yeah, it's a great basketball podcast. They had me on. Um, they invited me to come back on. Unfortunately, I couldn't do it because of scheduling stuff, but really cool guy. It's not going to ruin our friendship, but I feel like I haven't even met the guy yet. He like in person, I've seen him on zoom. I've texted him a ton We're we're like, we're, we're creating a, a you know, a, a foundation of friendship for sure. And I could see him being someone I talked to for a very long time. Cause he's got the same interest as me in pop culture. And he liked, you know, he loves music as well. So yeah, like that, it fits like it makes sense that we'd be friends. I just want to see him in person before I get into the Star Wars thing. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, I feel like but, I'm the only person who's ever been like, "That's cool." When it comes to you not liking Star Wars, yeah. That see, I'm, I've gone through like traumatic experiences of like, I mean, I've literally heard someone that I know and I I I I know well be like, "Well, you know, Empire Strikes Back is one of the five best movies ever," and I'm like, "According to who? You?" I am fucking DB. I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care. Like, yeah, it's good. I, I, well, we can move on. We don't have, <laughs> I just rather not go into it. It's just not something I'm interested in. Here we are talking about Star Wars on fucking Bicycle Thieves, uh, all because of Force Awakens, you know? <laughs> uh, gotta love podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's fucking insane. I, I go on record. I don't care. You like what you like. I like what I like. It's fun. It's fun when it meets, when we like something that we both like, and it's fun. It's also fun to shit on something that we both don't like, you know? Like, that's that's like the point of to keep talking to people. <laughs> that's great. Uh, the Roger Deakins Award. Uh, where were we? You, you were talking about the, the sheet scene. Yeah. That's your that's your Deakins. My Deakins is, is the scene where the bike's getting stolen. Hmm. But yeah. that was a... One of the more uh, creatively uh, constructed scenes I've seen from the forties. Uh, you know, this is this comes out the same year as some movies that we both really, really like. You know, including you know a uh, little little film called Treasure the Sierra Madre. And I think that movie has extremely smart construction. Bicycle Thieves rivals that, especially in that scene <clears throat> when the bike he's he's you know putting the Rita Hayworth poster up, and the bike gets stolen, and the guy is off. 
and they, he starts running. He, he starts going for the tunnel. He starts pedaling towards the tunnel. That the cut from him, uh, Antonio, like looking down the tunnel to him getting on that car on the side, kind of hitching a ride. And then when it looks through the tunnel and you see all that this traffic coming through, I was like, how did they do that? In 1948, how did they make this scene where it feels like such a real life experience? But these people are probably extras. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a brilliant, brilliant scene where everything is hitting on all cylinders and those guys trick him. They trick him like, oh, there he goes. Let's, you know, let's follow him. It's a different guy on a different bike. I was like, man, that was, that was genius. That was a genius scene. It was genius stuff from the people who stole the bike. You know, the people that were working with the guy, who, the actual thief. I, I was just blown away by it. And that's when the movie obviously gets into high gear and you, you, you're off. Uh, it's, it's really a, it's a movie about, about a father and son trying to find something that they need the rest of the movie because of that moment. And I thought it was the turning point and I thought it was done very well. Two things. One, 1948 is starting to become one of my favorite years of film. Yeah. It's, it's like the standout from, from those older years. Yeah. For me. And two, that scene reminded me so much of the car chase in the French connection. Same here. Another reason why I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, no music, all uh, non-diegetic, I believe, sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, incredible film uh, camera angles through an interesting chase. Very elaborate uh, theft, by the way. Like, they had multiple people in on this. It's like, it's just a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's like, man, wh- whoever came up with this is, is, is a goddamn genius, you know? Uh, yeah, thought it was great. Really, really like, really, really like this movie, man. Like, I, th- I just think it has good scene after good scene stacked on top of each other, and it, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Doesn't it happen on his first day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like just learned how to actually do like the glue with the poster, you know, put up put up the Rita Hayworth. That you know, uh, it's it's brilliant. I love how earlier in the movie they trick you into thinking that's when the bike's going to be stolen. When he goes to like the 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 Bruja or whatever the hell was going on up there, and he's like, "Hey kid, watch the bike," and we're thinking, "Oh boy," and then he comes yeah, out and yeah. it's still there. I was like, yeah. "Oh, you assholes!" <laughs> yeah, what's this really about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so good, so so smart. You know, uh, that's 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 the best shit. Uh, this is a movie I could see if it would have been Gregory Peck and and an American. I feel like this movie would have been up for a shit ton of Oscars. I really do. Yeah, you're probably right. This, you know, as we see with the lack of best foreign film category, not taken seriously at the time. You know, if it, it it made it, it got in the door, but I don't think it was a contender. Yeah, it took it, it took a lot for for these movies to to break into actual categories, and th- that's what this movie did. Uh, here in the United States, it was released as the Bicycle Thief, so at the Oscars. That's like when you look at the, you know, Oscars.com and you look at the, you know, uh, ceremony from the 22nd Academy Awards, 1950, uh, it says the Bicycle Thief, but the actual title from Italy is Bicycle Thieves. Uh, It was up for screenplay. It lost to A Letter to Three Wives. Uh, It was also up with All the King's Men, Champion, and The Fallen Idol. So, you know, these are, you know, Letter to Three Wives is fucking joseph l mankiewicz and all the king's men obviously is a very heavy hitter so it's a, it's a good company to be in i read about champion in uh the book about high noon and the blacklist that was one of carl foreman's 
uh, early scripts that kind of got him, got a lot of attention. Uh, from there, he was able to get High Noon. So I want to see Champion. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. Oh, we've we've been to this ceremony before. Do you remember what movie it was? Um, for this one, um, I think it was the Heiress, right? Yes, yes, it was. That's right. Yeah, goddamn right. That was a long, long time ago. Movie. Great movie. Great, yeah. great movie. Uh, there's another movie though that really stands out that I love from the from 1949 that we used as um. Uh, Kind of bonus material. That's White Heat. Remember, remember, remember White Heat? That movie. Oh, that, that movie kicked ass. That was yeah. fantastic. James Cagney, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've seen Battleground. Um, okay. Not a fan. Uh, pretty slow by the numbers military movie. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I had high hopes for that, but nah, didn't work out. Um, I think that's it though from this category. We've got a lot to, a lot of homework to do here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Like, I can't wait to do this properly one day. You know, you got the uh, fucking best actor categories: uh, Broderick Crawford, Kirk Douglas, Gregory Peck, Richard Todd, and John Wayne. Like, holy hell, those are some guys. John Wayne. Uh, John Wayne. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We did. We we obviously when we did um, the heiress, that was a really cool episode because not only did we get to talk about an awesome movie, but uh, Olivia De Havilland won for best actress, and we did a best actress tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cool. That was a long time ago. We we did a best actress tournament for that movie, and we did a best actor uh, tournament for Yankee Doodle Dandy. James Cagney's win. Uh, we did those right around each other because we were focusing on the '40s for a few episodes, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And I love coming back to these ceremonies in the 40s just because it allows you to stretch a little bit it's it's kind of why i do it is uh sure i like keeping up with modern things i like watching filmmakers that are working today it's just to kind of see what's going on but to me there is there's nothing more rewarding and nothing more powerful than going back to the people who started this stuff who were who, who were the most creative when there was a lack of creativity who changed the game quite frankly and Desika is one of those guys. He's one of those guys that I'm going, going to study more. I want to watch more of his movies. I want to see more Italian neorealism movies just because it's it's powerful. It's it's not something I want to watch every day because I don't want to be rocked that hard. But I, I I do like it a lot, and it's something I I should, you know, uh, as we come into the new year of 2023, I want to challenge myself to kind of knock out more um, moments in in cinematic history, more movements in cinematic history and this is this is one of them you know italian neorealism french new wave you know dogma 95 the the you know movement of thomas vinterberg and uh lars von trier like i want to i want to start knocking more of those movies out to see what it's actually about you know uh so this always this is always inspiring yeah i love tackling the building blocks of this thing we love so much. I think understanding these films and t- talking about them and watching them, it reinforces modern cinema because mm. it all comes from this. So I want to, I want, I definitely love exploring these, these early films. Yeah, me too, man. So much fun. Uh, next week on this show, <clears throat> we'll be doing something that's very familiar for both of us with that being said something, but it's, it's, it's going to be special. I'll talk about that in a minute uh, on Wednesday's film gasm. Well, wait, 
are we releasing a fake true stories before then? Uh, if all goes well, we will have a fake true stories on Monday. Okay. So we could have one tomorrow. Fake true stories tomorrow. If you're listening to this uh, on Sunday. Uh, yeah, that'd be, that would be fantastic. That'd be December 5th uh, on a movie. I won't say yet. Cause I don't want to, you know, in case it doesn't happen. It's a great movie. <laughs> oh, I, I already announced the movie on okay. Yasm or something. Yeah. It's a league of their own. Yes. It's going to be good. Yes. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, dude. The movie's rules. Super excited. I thought the thir- the first episode was amazing. I think is, you know, you guys, you guys have a cool chemistry that is way different than anything we've ever done on this podcast, more history centered than movie centered. And I think that's really unique. Uh, so that could happen tomorrow on Wednesday for sure. Filmgasm, uh, will be doing better watch out that, uh, it'll be Connor and maybe Cole, maybe Caleb, maybe Josh. We kind of got a gauntlet of dudes that are ready, ready to talk about weird shit. Uh, <laughs> Friday, Cannot wait for this. This is the most exciting beyond the bad yet. Uh, Star Wars holiday special. My favorite Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> it's, it's the most absurd, ridiculous thing maybe I've ever watched in my life. Uh, it feels like, uh, feels like David Lynch's Star Wars movie, and I'm here for it. I am looking forward to watching just a coked up plethora of disinterested actors like try to celebrate Star Wars Chris and Christmas and also try to like Hawk Pillsbury biscuits or something because that's what they did in variety shows. There was a product, so this is going to be odd. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, super excited. And then finally, next week on Oscar Sunday, we will be kicking off a Brendan Fraser week because the whale. We don't know exactly oh when it's coming out here in Texas. We it'll probably be in Austin before San Antonio and Dallas and Houston and the like. We don't know for sh- we don't know for sure yet, but we do know a new Brendan Fraser movie is coming soon. Uh, also, Darren Aronofsky. So this is a movie that could be up for Oscars. It's a movie that Connor and I have both definitely circled on our calendar. It's just something that looks very interesting, very up our alley. It, we could see Brendan Fraser get a fucking Best Actor nomination, which is so beautiful to think about. Apparently uh, he's the front runner. He might like he's he, according to everybody like you know early buzz. He might actually win this thing. Yeah, I mean who's he going against? Do you know what I mean? Like there just hasn't been a ton of amazing performances yet this year. So we still got more stuff to see. There's you know, there's gonna be more more shit coming out. Of course, uh, you know Connor and I keep our our, our finger on that pulse. You know every now and again because you know, we are Oscar fans. We obviously disagree with them a lot, but we we are fans of kind of collecting cool movies and, and, and recognizing them on a, on a night. So that'll be cool. We're kicking off the Brendan Fraser week with the mummy from 1999 on Oscar Sunday. Cannot wait. This is one of Connor's favorite movies of all time. Ah. It's, it's something we've had planned for, for a while just cause it, it's a great Oscar Sunday. It's one of those, like that was up for Oscars. It's one of those nineties movies that it's just going to be special for us to go down memory lane but also challenge ourselves to pick awards for it and do that whole bit. Super excited. We probably won't have anything else prepped for that. We're just going to fucking talk about the mummy. Uh, there's no need. We've done 1999 stuff before. We don't really need to do that whole conversation. We've done top fives. We've done drafts. You know, it's a big, big year. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be shining a light on a really cool movie that has stood the test of time and is still so much fun. So I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, Josh and I did this on filmgasm a long time ago. Yeah, long um, time ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was a blast. And this is one of my top 10. I fucking adore The Mummy. So I'm super psyched to talk about this in an Oscar mindset and give this awards. Like picking my favorite moments from The Mummy is going to be a challenge. 
I, I love that feeling though. That feeling of, Holy shit. Here we go. This is one of mine. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've done that a few times before on here and you've got to do it a few times. We both had our moments of hold my beer. This one's for me, you know, uh, it's, and it's a, it's a fun thing to do. So yeah, we're, we're having a blast here. It's we're getting close to the end of the year already. I can't, can't fucking believe it. it's already December. Uh, there's some pivotal movies coming out this year or this month for the Oscars and for what's going to happen in March. Uh, so I'm sure Connor and I will try to keep up with stuff. We might start talking more about it. Uh, once I think once January comes around and, you know, movies like Avatar and Babylon and th- those kind of movies and, and the whale, once those are out and, and people have seen them and stuff, we might start talking a little bit more at the top of this show, start talking more about what's going on, what we think is going to be up for stuff, uh, doing that kind of conversation. But most importantly, we like to talk about the films, you know, uh, and films of the past. So that's going to be our main focus always. So if you're looking for straight up Oscar talk, this really isn't really isn't the place for modern Oscar talk. We like to, we like to go backwards. That's our, that's our bread and butter. So we'll continue doing that while also trying to keep a, again, a finger on the pulse. Uh, keep following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, check out our website, filmgasm.com. Uh, keep watching movies. And we'll see you guys maybe on Monday, but definitely on Wednesday. Thank you.